Hello, I'm Chris Kreitcho, and this is the New Rust Station podcast, usually a 15 to 20 minute show about learning the Rust programming language. This is bonus episode two, Legacy Code. Today, I am in the middle of finals week, and so once again, I'm going to tackle a slightly softer subject than usual, and a bit under 10 minutes again. Next week, when I'm back at my normal routine, I'll be talking about testing. I've written most of that script and a bunch of samples and am most of the way ready to record it, but not actually ready, and I didn't want it to be two and a half weeks between episodes, so I thought I would throw this one out ahead. I was talking with a colleague this week about some legacy code we're working on. As I've mentioned in the past, I work on some fairly large C and C++ legacy code bases, and, well, it's a bit of a mess. And a bit of a mess, frankly, is being pretty generous. There are some absolutely catastrophic things that have been done in this code base, and there are a lot of others that are just very bad. And it is very easy to end up As you're trying to fix one thing, fixing, well, a dozen or two dozen or three dozen others, and then finding yourself off very much in the weeds and very far from whatever it was you started working on. And sure, you might have a cleaner bit of code when you're done, but you might not actually have accomplished whatever it was you set out to do, and you may have taken way too long to do it, and you may have ended up not even being able to test whether the changes you meant to make were the changes you actually did make because you introduced other changes and so on. Dealing with legacy code and refactoring legacy code is hard. Unfortunately, it is also very common. Most of the code in the world, not yet most of the Rust code out there, but most of the code in the world in general is legacy code, and a lot of it is pretty bad, and a lot of it could use to be cleaned up. However, as you're working on any given piece of legacy code, there's one really important thing that I have learned to keep in mind over the past few years. For the most part, whatever you're working on, however badly written, and however asinine some of the design decisions may seem to have been, it does get done whatever job it was written to do. For example, maybe you think that this 10,000 line long horrible function with tons and tons and tons of nested SQL statements in it is a complete catastrophe that needs to be rewritten and given the kinds of things the SQL statements are doing should probably be using an ORM instead and that maybe these should be small functions instead of one massive function and so on. That's all true. If you have a function like that, probably all of those things could use to be done. But if you're working on a web application and and that gets the job done, you probably shouldn't spend all your time going back and trying to fix that code. You should clean it up as you go, a little bit at a time, sure, but mostly you shouldn't go back and try and tackle that as a single major refactoring unless you have a lot of time to do so, and a lot of money to do so, and a particularly good reason to do so. Instead, and this is a lesson I have learned slowly and painfully over the last few years, clean up your mess as you go. And what I mean by that is this. The most effective way I have found to improve a code base over time is to clean it up incrementally. For the most part, those big sweeping changes are very difficult to accomplish. They're necessary from time to time, but they are very difficult to pull off especially if, as is the case with most legacy code bases, there are not sets of acceptance tests and unit tests to make sure that things continue to behave the way they did before once you're done making those changes. 
if instead you can introduce newer, better patterns that you use anywhere you're writing new code, and that you can introduce and test when making small changes in old code, take that approach instead. That way, over time, the quality of the code base as a whole improves, and the reliability of the code base as a whole improves, and the testability of the code base as a whole improves. But at no point are you making massive sweeping changes of the sort that can get you into really big trouble. And at no point are you spending all day just trying to fix something that, well, does actually work. Maybe it works poorly, maybe it's hard to maintain, maybe making those changes over time will make it work better and make it easier to maintain, and therefore maybe you should be doing those changes, but maybe you shouldn't take it upon yourself to rewrite the entire code base because, again, it does work. Refactoring is a temptation. Rewriting is a temptation that particularly appeals to those of us with a sense of the aesthetics of a given code base, with the responsibility of maintaining a given code base as we deal with the pain points inherent in poorly structured, badly organized, often not well understood code. But keeping in mind that, well, this code actually does the job for which it was written, even if there are bugs in it that may be hard to find, can help us keep in perspective that our approach is paying off a debt a little bit at a time. And remembering, as is the case in personal debt, that the most effective approach we can take is doing it a bit at a time and gradually until those effects snowball into a much more profound effect. Let me give an example. Over the past several years working on this legacy code base, I have introduced common methods for handling files and for checking the validity of file pointers of a particular type, because these are patterns that get repeated in the exact same way throughout this entire code base. Now, I could go back and manually update every single one of those and write new file handlers for all the files that are touched in this code base and so on, and eventually someday it would be nice if this code base had those things. But if I tried to do that, I would fail. In the same way that if I were $20,000 or $200,000 deep in credit card debt, and I tried to pay it off all at once, I would, I would just fail. But if I prioritize and isolate high-priority things and high-value fixes, and in particular, if I make the small fixes up front that will allow me to make large fixes later, then over time, I can work through the code base in a fashion that allows me to get increasing value with each change. Again, to look at the debt analogy, if you pay off some of those small debts first, you can take those payments, instead of having 47 minimum payments on your 47 credit cards, and slowly work it down so that ultimately you're paying fewer payments and you're paying less interest, and with each card you pay off, you're able to take that same amount of money and put it into the next one. The same thing happens here. When we get to the point where we've finished fixing all these file handlers, and we've finished fixing all the different ways we build files, names and all of these crazy things that go on in this code base, well, suddenly we hit a roll where we're able to just make a large set of changes that clean up large chunks of the code base because we laid a foundation. We were able to pay off some of our technical debts by building on work that I've done over the past several years, most of which felt like grunt work at the time and with which, frankly, I was often frustrated for the simple reason that I couldn't go in and make all these big sweeping changes. But having been disciplined over that period of time not to make big sweeping changes, I've been able to now have much larger and more effective changes in the codebase as a whole by having laid that foundation.
And in general, this is the thing that is most effective with refactoring. Take it a little at a time. Don't assume that you have to fix it all today. Remember that the code does work and your goal is to improve how it works and how maintainable it is, not just to make it a perfect, beautiful paragon of code cleanliness. Code cleanliness is not its own end. It is there for the goals of maintainability and comprehensibility for future developers. Hopefully you found these thoughts helpful, and I'll be back next week with those long-promised and long-overdue thoughts on testing. Thanks to Chris Palmer for sponsoring the show this month. You can see the list of other sponsors in the show notes. And if you'd like to sponsor the show yourself, you can set up recurring donations at patreon.com slash neurostation or one-off donations at Venmo, Dwalla, or cash.me. You can find show notes at newrustation.com and follow the show on Twitter or app.net at newrustation. You can follow me either of those places at Chris Kreitcho. And if you like the show, please rate and review it on iTunes or recommend it in your favorite podcast app to help other people find it. Last but not least, I always love to hear from my listeners. You can reach out on social media, in the thread for the show, on the Rust user forum, or via email at hello at newrustation.com. Until next time, happy coding.